This is James Allen on F1. So the 2014 season will bring with it some of the biggest changes to Formula One's racing technical regulations in the sport's history with the new power unit. When were these changes, Andy, first of all discussed and what key factors were driving the change? The the regulations were first discussed um, back in 2010 and um, and perhaps some discussions a little bit earlier than that. Um, And the the, the key thing that was, was driving... Um, the, the desire to, to, to have a change uh, was to turn the formula from a high revving um, uh, engine formula. Because um, if, we, if we go back to um, uh, the 2007 era, then uh, people were revving engines to, um, to, to, to 19,000. If we go back another year, 2006, people were over 20,000 RPM and planning to go even higher. Um, so, so the V8s were designed as high revving engines, which don't really have any road relevance. Um, and the desire was to, to change the mission for the engineers, the, the powertrain, power unit engineers in Formula One, to match with road car. Uh, the road car world is focused on, um, uh, on, on CO2 per kilometre. Um, so how efficient can you make the, the powertrain? Um, and so the, the overriding principle of the new regulations is that you've got a, a fixed quantity of fuel. So 100 kilograms of fuel for the race, which means you've got a fixed amount of chemical energy. And the engineering challenge is to um, turn that into useful energy to propel the car. And what a challenge. Uh, how disruptive and would you say expensive was it when the regulations changed from the inline four-cylinder engine to a V6? And also, do you think it was actually the correct decision to do this? Um, the, the, uh, the original plan was that we would be racing this year, so in 2013, with, with, a, with an inline four. Um, and, and that decision was, was changed to, to the V6. Um, I think one of the overriding reasons for the change was that um, uh, in terms of the vehicle architecture, if you stay with a V configuration, then the, then the natural construction of the engine helps with the, with the car stiffness, the car structure. And so uh, having a change from V8 to V6 uh, means that the car structural changes are limited. Mm. If we'd gone to a four-cylinder engine, um, albeit slightly more efficient going to the four-cylinder rather than the, the six-cylinder, uh, we all decided that that, that disruption in, in car architecture would be a, would be a step too far, mm. hence the delay to 2014 and the change from, from four to six cylinders. Expensive? Um, um, any change um, uh, adds cost. Any, um, it uh, added an extra year to our, our, our development plans, and so that's, um, that adds some cost. Do you feel that this change in regulation from the initial inline four-cylinder to the V6 led to the disappearance, at least for now, of the independent engine manufacturers from F1, such as Cosworth? And, and is that bad for the sport? Um, I, I think we, uh, we, we all think it's, um, it's unfortunate that, um, that Cosworth haven't uh, got, got a programme together with, with the new regulation changes. I doubt whether the architecture of the power unit had had any great influence on that mm, okay what do you feel the fan gets out of the change um for, for the fan there's there's new technology um i think in all the 
uh, opinion polls on on Formula One. Uh, people want it to be the, the the pinnacle of motorsport to have the most cutting edge technology, and um, and you know the, the the fundamental changes that we're we're going from naturally aspirated um, port fuel injection archaic engines um, to, uh, to to something that's got you know new technology in it. Um, which which is uh, highly road relevant and and um, and breaking new boundaries. So, what percentage of your workforce is on it now? Uh, the, the majority of the workforce is is, is now working on it. Um, we're um, uh, we're in the second half of of the final season with with V8 and Kurs. Um, we've uh, passed off and sent out our last V8 engine. And so, as the as the V8 and Kurs um, hardware has gone through the factory, then people have um, swapped onto the onto the 2014 program. Wow, it's exciting times. Um, so you've mentioned this to promote the fuel efficiency. Fuel is going to be limited to 100 kilograms per race. Teams typically use around 160 at the moment per race. How do you start working around this then? Uh, after the, uh, the the initial decision to, to make it a, um, a a fuel energy based formula, and um, the, the the hundred kilograms for the for the race was uh, was chosen as um, as an aggressive target. Mm. So we've got a um, a thirty five percent reduction in, um, in in chemical energy in the fuel available to us. Um, the next step in the in the regulations process led by the FIA was to what are the technologies that we need to introduce to enable us to improve the conversion efficiency from the chemical energy in the fuel to, to useful crankshaft power. And so that's why, you know, we've introduced turbochargers. Um, so the turbocharger is the, it's probably the single biggest piece that's giving us the, the, the efficiency improvement. Um, but also recovering uh, waste energy using the MGU-H, which is a, an electric machine attached to the turbocharger so that we can recover even more waste energy um, and the increase in the in the Kurs motor, the MGUK, to enable us to recover more energy under braking, um, just, just to make the whole vehicle more efficient. It's fascinating stuff. What would you say is the biggest technical challenge then of the new power unit? It, it, it's hard to single out one aspect to, to have, you know, the, the biggest uh, uh, technical challenge. Um, it feels like that changes on a day-by-day basis okay tell us about the airs then how does it generate the power how does it deploy it again how do you envisage this will actually be used in a race that we will watch yeah, the airs um, stands for energy um, recovery system and we're recovering energy from two sources so the kinetic energy of the car under braking um, and the heat energy left in the exhaust stream um, through a turbine wheel into an electric motor. So you've got these two sources of energy um, stored in a, in a battery pack, which is um, uh, approximately 10 times the capacity of the battery packs that we're using today with KERS. Um, and then that can be deployed around the lap. Um, four megajoules can be deployed um, back through the MGUK, which is connected to the crankshaft, um, at double the power that we have today. So today we have 60 kilowatts. We're going to 120 kilowatts, which equates to um, 
um, just over 160 brake horsepower, so a very significant powered electric machine, um, which means it's over 30 seconds, you know, 34 seconds that that can be deploying directly from the battery, which um, is a significant percentage of the time that the driver wants full power. You're talking sort of 70% of the time that the driver wants full power. So ERS isn't a boost system that curs is today it's something that really contributes so it's um it will contribute you know over two seconds a lap to the um uh, to the to the lap time of the car what were your feelings and your emotions andy when you first heard the engine fire up on the dyno and does it sound good uh, yeah it, it does sound good it's um it's a very sweet sound um a little bit quieter um because of the the turbine and the exhaust um which just knocks the knocks the edge off the sound um i think uh, uh engineers try to be um uh, data driven um people um and try and keep emotions out of it but um but we're uh, we're all human beings and and when there's a lot of uh, hard work being put into um put into creating uh, the, the the engine the, the the power unit um there's some big grins on people's faces when it when it did fire up and um starts um starts making energy you know there's, there's often the phrase that it's come alive absolutely it's uh it's uh it's as you say it's the human being in you isn't it you can't help yourself <laughs> um so at this stage of the year we're at end of september early october where are you now at obviously without giving too much away to renault and ferrari um, we're we're a long way into the um, uh, the detailed design for um, for next year's um, power unit. Uh, we're a long way along the journey in terms of the the installation design with the uh, with the four teams that will we'll, that will power um, next next year. Um, there's still um, several months, many weeks, and you know countless days before the first race. So there's um, there's still lots more work to do. And what about reliability? Um, is that going to be an issue in 2014? And if so, do you think that the fans will understand the penalty system that's coming in? Um, I, I think that there's a good chance that, that reliability will be a, uh, a bigger factor next year than it, than it has been this year. And that's what we'll all make as a comparison. Uh, we've got new technology being introduced in, in, in all areas of, of the power unit. Um, and uh, we're, we're changing the sporting regulations such that instead of it being eight engines per driver per championship, it's now um, five power units per driver per championship. So all the uh, all the hybrid system gets incorporated into that uh, into that requirement uh, for, for good reliability. Um, to, to make sure we take it seriously, there needs to be a penalty mm. if um, if parts don't don't last, um, and we all understand and accept that um because the the power unit is made up of several systems there are penalties depending on which bit of the system um, needs to be replaced and the sixth unit being taken um uh, in in the first part of the season that there, there shouldn't be any complication about it um I imagine it will be towards the end of the season before anybody's um reaching for a sixth of anything um, and I think uh, the regulations are actually reasonably straightforward. And with the, 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 the strength of the communication going out to the fans, I, uh, I hope that they, uh, they understand and, and, and see it as sensible.
Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you think the technologies that you're developing will be relevant for future road car development? We, we spoke a bit about this before we sat down, didn't we? Mm, yes. Um, I, I think if I, um, if I look at the architecture of the system, the system diagram for the, for the power unit, um, it, it matches in with the, the road car technology roadmaps um, uh, because we have got a, a fundamental regulation based about you know how much energy useful energy can we create out of the hundred kilograms of fuel mm. it means that everything that we're pushing for striving for innovating um, is directly road relevant because because road car is all about how far can you go on a liter of fuel um, that's what matters to all of us we don't want uh, a car that's got a huge fuel tank that needs filling up every day we want cars with a small fuel tank that we fill up once a month um, uh, and with the same performance um, so uh, talking to the guys at the you know uh, the Daimler R&D center in Stuttgart then they're very very excited about the technology that we're developing uh, when the regulations first came out we discussed with them they've helped us um, get up the, the learning curve and now we're feeding back so a lot of the technology that we initially tested was directly from them and we've evolved it and we're feeding all the information back and I'm sure there'll be some exciting spin-offs. Excellent. Um, now some would say, Andy, that a 1.6 litre downsized lower revving hybrid engine doesn't seem very exciting on paper. So why has it got you excited and why do you feel it is right for the sport for Formula One? I think the the the, the bit that's um, that, that's highly relevant and therefore um, exciting is that it's um, it's technology that's useful outside of Formula One. It's mm-hmm. technology that will um, uh, make Formula One exciting, encourage new manufacturers to come in, as we're seeing with Honda, which mm-hmm. is I think exceptionally healthy for the sport. Um, Formula One fans, I think, uh, that, that they feed off of the technology. Um, but they will be seeing technology race that they can directly associate with because it will be appearing in the, in the, uh, in the road car uh, showrooms um, you know, now and into the future. Um, and it, it's, uh, there, there's, there's something quite honourable about working on a, uh, uh, on a machine, on a power unit, where the, the fundamental is that you want to convert the most energy. You know, to, to, to have a fixed amount of chemical energy in the fuel and get as close as possible to 100% conversion efficiency. That, for an engineer, is a very honourable and therefore exciting challenge to have. And so to have that in Formula One feels um, is exciting and is very motivating for the engineers. Absolutely. I feel like coming to work for you. Honestly, I'm, I'm feeling the bug myself. <laughs> um, now, we've got Formula E starting a championship next year. So do you feel Formula One may have to move forward as it is to avoid being left behind in history? I know it, the championship hasn't started yet, but... I, I, think, uh, I think Formula E is a, a hugely exciting formula um, and um, we'll all be watching that um, uh, with great interest. Um, the, for, for road car technology um, I think there are a mixture of um, directions being taken um, for city use then electric vehicles make absolute sense 
I think as soon as you get into vehicles that are uh, that are going um, outside the city and doing longer journeys, um, I think we will see a mixture of technologies where the internal combustion engine will still play a very big part. That will be the probably the primary aspect, but then hybrid systems are used to mop up the waste energy. Mm. Um, and so Formula One is going in that latter direction, Formula E is 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 the former di direction and so i think the two will work in harmony mm. yeah okay um now it's a different lump of architecture in terms of physical size the cooling challenge is a big one are challenges like that something you you embrace and are these the areas where being an integrated works team can actually pay dividends do you think I love the phrase lump of architecture. <laughs> it's a big lump, isn't it? <laughs> it it's an elegant. <laughs> so the, the, the lump of architecture, um, the, the, the challenge that we've got is to have the most efficient power unit. Um, if you've got high efficiency, you have low heat rejection. And so the more efficient we can make it, the lower the heat rejection and less the challenge in terms of installing it inside a vehicle. Um, so on, on every single system that we've got, we pay great attention to the heat rejection that needs to be dissipated in the radiator ducts mm. um, because it does have an aerodynamic penalty in a, in a, in a Formula 1 car and in a road car. Um, so that there's always a balance between the style of the system that you do and the impact on the vehicle because it's, you know, it's, a, it, it's a race involving a car and we're just part of that. How do you think the races are going to actually play out next year, Andy? And do you think we will see lots of fuel saving in the closing laps? I, I think the uh, the races next year will be very, very interesting. And um, uh, we, uh, we've, we've got an understanding on, on how we're going to, to play the races. I'm sure um, Ferrari and Renault with their teams have got, got an understanding on how they're going to run, run the races. Will it be exactly the same? Probably not to start off with we'll each have um, uh, gone down a slightly different um, avenue which I think will make it interesting to the fans yeah it, it's more exciting seeing different strategies used mm. um, with, with regards to the fuel saving um, we do fuel saving today so 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 during a you know 300 kilometer race nobody puts enough fuel on to run at qualifying pace for for all 300 kilometers mm. Um, because you're concerned about the starting weight. Um, with the 100 kilos at some circuits like Monaco, it's easy to do the race on 100 kilos. At other circuits, it's, it's going to be more challenging. Um, how, do you, how, how do you operate is, is, is a big, big question. Um, is the power unit efficient enough to run at full power the, the whole time? Um, is it not efficient enough, at which point you need fuel saving, and what's the performance penalty of doing fuel saving, um, and what's the best method of, of doing that? Um, big, big questions. Um, I suspect there are different answers coming out from the three manufacturers and even the, e even the teams, because there's the aerodynamic drag as well that, mm. that works uh, uh, against that or for you, um, and also the tyre grip. 
um, depending on the, the grip of the tyres, depends how long during a lap the driver can be on full throttle, and that then determines how much fuel that you burn. So there's 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 many many different parameters that are going to go into this, and it's um, it's going to be one of the um, uh, the vexing things going into the first race and during those opening races. Yeah, the opening races, as you say. What happens, do you think, if next season becomes an engine-dominated competition, though, with with one engine manufacturer streaks ahead of the other two and the cars crossing the finishing line in order of which engine they've installed? Um, I, I, I think we could see um, more of a difference across the, the power units next year. Um, the V8s today have sort of um, honed in on, on something very similar and the FIA have been keen to make sure that um, those that perhaps were, were down on power in the you know, 2008 era um, were, were, were permitted the opportunity to do a performance upgrade to, to, to narrow the gap. Um, so there's the chance that we will see a spread in reliability and a spread in, in performance capability. Um, but we, we all need to remember that um, uh, there will be a big spread on aerodynamics as well. Um, there'll be a big spread in um, the ability to use the tyres. There's a spread in um, driver lap time. Um, and all of these things will will add up and go into the melting pot. I, I don't believe that the power unit will become the dominant factor. I think all of these things will wrap together and we'll see varied racing. Are you happy with the currently regulated sort of development path that the FIA has set? Yeah, we've, we're very happy with that. The, the FIA throughout this process have, have discussed with the manufacturers um, what, what method to take. Um, so for, for next year, um, on the 28th of February, we need to provide to the FIA a dossier showing all the, all the designs for our power unit for next year um, and give an example, give a hardware example that they will hold on to. And then throughout next year, um, we're not permitted to do any performance upgrades. So it'll be five to exactly the same recipe. Um, Apart from if we have, say, supply issues, we can change supplier, but the performance spec should be the same, um, which helps contain costs. Or if we have reliability issues. So if with the first one we've got a reliability problem, we're not locked into that pain for the remaining ones we can make changes Um, and those reliability changes we'll use the same method as we use today for the V8 where it's a request into the FIA and then the FIA share that with all the other manufacturers so they can they can comment and and that and that ensures we're all doing the right thing and that seems to work so how do you know you've got it right when's D-Day for you how do we know we've got it right it's a monster question um um, we we won't know whether we've got it right until the, the, the last lap of the last race um, you know, there's uh, the, the first test is um, uh, is an opportunity to to learn the first race, another opportunity to learn. Um, but we're in this to, to to win championships, and often they're not secured until the um, until the last lap of the um, the last race. So we'll 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 look up and see where we are then. Good luck, Andy. Fascinating to talk to you. Thank you. You're welcome. James Allen on F1 with UBS.